Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, June 3rd, 2020. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serrata. Joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Weekend Editor, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Writer's Quiet Trend Bowie. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. Okay, so the country is in crisis right now. Uh, but entertainment news must go on, I guess. Uh, I think we're going to end up talking about everything that's going on in the water cooler later this week. Uh, I don't want to be, you know, flippant and like, you know, shortchange what's going on in this world right now. I think we are all kind of emotionally drained from this past week. And uh, angry and frustrated. And uh, we'll, we'll probably talk about that on the water cooler because I know... You know, the news is mostly what I've been watching this week. Uh, But, you know, let's get away from that. Let's try to provide some entertainment for today. And let's talk about entertainment news. Uh, Let's start first with a possible third Alien prequel. Is Ridley Scott going to make it, Chris? Uh, Probably not, but he still wants to. Um, uh, Ridley Scott started his Alien prequel series with Prometheus. He followed it up with Alien Covenant. Uh, at one time, he was talking about making two more movies after Alien Covenant. Then Alien Covenant didn't do so well at the box office. Uh, and then Disney bought Fox. So it just seems very unlikely that we're ever going to get more Ridley Scott Alien prequel films. But he would he's still thinking about making at least one more. Um, he gave an interview and he, he talked a little bit about how it's, the idea is just still on his mind and he still wants to delve into answers to various things that came up in the first alien, uh, like where all the eggs came from and, and so on. And I'm, you know, I'm of two minds about this. On one <laughs> hand, there's, there's nothing I, I dislike more in filmmaking than when people make prequels where they explain things that don't need to be explained. Uh, at the same time, I really liked alien covenant. I thought Prometheus was okay, but I really liked alien covenant you know i get that it's not a traditional alien movie it's it's a lot more gothic and weird but 
that's kind of what I, I liked about it. I liked that he was trying something new, but at the same time, it's clear the majority of the, of moviegoers didn't really care for that. So I'm, I'm having a hard time <laughs> believing Disney who now owns the alien franchise is going to let Ridley Scott make another weird prequel movie when it's clear that audiences aren't chomping at the bit for that. You know, I'm, I'm one of the few people out there that actually liked Prometheus and I, I like that it, it delves into questions and not answers. And I feel like I don't want the answers. I, I don't want the answers to the eggs. I don't want the answers to all these things. I, uh, I don't know. I, I'm wondering, Disney is, you know, a company known for, you know, they, they like their franchises and alien is a franchise. And I know, Obviously, they probably wouldn't go release future alien movies under the Disney brand. It would probably have the Fox logo on it. But I, I guess my question is, what is the right decision here for Disney? Is the decision to to finish this trilogy or to do you, do you actually expect that they will release a new alien movie that's outside of this trilogy? If they ever get around to making a new alien movie, I do think it'll be sort of like a reboot, not like a remake, but like a, a direct sequel to the original franchise and not a prequel film. Just because I feel like that's more uh, appealing to the public at large. You know, Disney, they're all about appealing to as many people as possible. And like I said, you know, if, it, if it's a choice between letting Ridley Scott make another really weird prequel that has very little to do with the original Alien or making a direct Alien sequel that brings back stuff that people recognize, I, I'm positive Disney will go with with the latter choice if they, you know, if they want to make more Alien movies. Hey, could we combine things like, you know how they did the Alien vs. Predator series of films and comics and books and video games and all that uh is there anything in the disney franchise we could have like a uh you know alien versus mike from monsters inc i, I don't know I, I don't have any suggestions <laughs> here but is there anything like more adult in the disney verse that we could do a smash up of i'm guessing uh, i not. mean i guess whatever they own from fox now i'm sure there are things i'm not thinking of yeah yeah. Die Hard, okay. <laughs> Alien meets Die Hard. Isn't Die Hard from Fox? I think it is. Aliens versus Avatar. There you actually, go. <laughs> I actually think the Die Hard thing could be great. John McClane goes to space, has to fight some aliens. <laughs> He's on like a like the space station with aliens. Yeah, well, sure. Why not? It can't be I any worse than the not. other, <laughs> the most recent <laughs> Die Hard sequels. I would pay to see that yeah. for sure. Okay, let's let's get a little bit depressing here. Let's talk about how the coronavirus, it, yeah, that's still around, guys. It's kind of hard to imagine after like you know seeing all these people on TV gathered in crowds, not social distancing, not not making any uh, judgments about that. But like it's almost like if coronavirus seems like it was like two years ago at this point after last week, uh, but that's still around and that's uh, threatening to destroy movie theaters as we know it. Uh, AMC theaters doubt that they can stay in business brad what do we know yeah you said you'd pay for that avatar versus alien movie but i don't know where you're gonna see it because <laughs> it sounds like amc theaters uh, may not survive the coronavirus pandemic shutting down movie theaters around the united states because uh they're in financial trouble they had um a, a regulatory business filing today and they said that right now they're looking at a loss of somewhere between 2.1 to 2.4 billion in their first quarter uh, thanks to the closure of movie theaters, because they are basically generating no revenue. They don't have anybody coming to theaters, buying concessions, any of that. And holding on to all these theaters when they're not operating 
is still very expensive, even without you know employees to pay uh, and you know things like utilities to uh, to pay for. So right now, they're kind of in this limbo to see when government restrictions will allow larger markets like New York, San Francisco, and Los Angeles to open theaters and see how many of them can be reopened to possibly uh, play movies like Tenant on July 17th or Mulan on July 24th. But it's kind of this vicious circle because studios are waiting to determine whether they'll open the, uh, those movies in theaters to see if th- enough theaters will be open by the time they're supposed to come out in order to uh, play them to a big enough audience to make it worth their while. Because not only do they have to pay to put these movies in theaters, but they have to pay for marketing to let people know that these movies are still coming and tell people that movie theaters are actually open again. Uh, so right now, uh, AMC Theaters said they have a cash balance of 718 uh, million dollars, which sounds like a lot of money, but not when you're the largest theater chain uh, in America. And 500 million of that actually came from a private debt offering that was kind of something that saved them to begin with. But if this shutdown continues any longer than the next uh, month or two, there's a good chance that they won't have the liquidity to be able to survive, even if theaters reopen uh, sooner than later. Yeah, I, I had heard that Chris Nolan was d- directly behind the push to to get this to happen because he knows how desperately bad the situation is for theater owners. So uh, I, I guess the question is, it will Tenet get released on July 17th? Like, Brett, I mean, I, I guess Cinemark has commented on this, right? So Cinemark says that they they feel confident that they're going up, but they don't have any insider info. It sounds like they're just being hopeful because they even said that they can't guarantee that it's going to open. But apparently Cinemark is a little bit better off because they said... Even if Tenant doesn't open on July 17th and it gets pushed to August, which it sounds like that will be the plan if it does get delayed, that they still uh, will be able to survive and will just fluctuate their uh, phased reopening plans to begin in August uh, rather than or, or begin in July rather than June. Because Cinemark actually is going to start opening in the middle of June with catalog titles to like test out their social distancing policies and stuff before they do a big wide opening with all of their theaters uh, in July. Uh, how are things going over in China? So China is, uh, well, we, we're seeing in China what we might see here because over in China, they're looking at having to close roughly 40% uh, of their screens. Um, 5,000 venues, nearly 28,000 screens will, um, are likely going to be shut down permanently over in China due to the coronavirus shutting down theaters over there. Uh, so they're not doing well uh, overseas either. This could be a preview of what's to come over here. And that's really depressing because it's gonna. It, this is gonna be a huge hit for uh, movie theaters if this happens, and there's gonna be a lot less opportunities to see movies. Um, especially, I think this will hurt end up hurting independent productions because blockbusters will continue to dominate screens, and indies will have less of an opportunity uh, to play in a lot of these multiplexes. Yeah, this is a sad situation, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna keep our eye on this. Uh, I hope. I don't know. I, I feel like a company like Amazon could come around and it would be like a drop in the bucket. It would be like nothing for them to buy AMC and be like, yeah, we're going to keep them open. And it might be beneficial for a company like Amazon to do that or, or Netflix or, you know, whatever. I don't know if it'll be beneficial for them because movie theaters weren't doing so hot even before coronavirus. Uh, so I'm not sure if it's necessarily financially smart for even a company like Amazon to do that, especially since oh. this year, uh, in, in addition to the sad uh, possible closure of movie theaters, the U.S. box office is expected to drop 52% in 2020 thanks to theaters being shut down. 
Yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't mean it would be a smart move in that it would make them money, but it would be smart in their plans to grow that part of their company, the movie part of their company. And maybe also they could offer it as part of a prime, uh, you know, subscription that you could go to these theaters and stuff like that. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just thinking out loud. I'm hoping that we don't lose AMC theaters. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Let's we'll see. Uh, Hollywood is talking about how they're going to get back in action, how we're going to get back to work, what the guidelines are going to be amid the coronavirus pandemic. HD, what do we know? So um, on the other side of the business, Hollywood has been at a standstill ever since the pandemic uh, hit and productions uh, for both TV and film have been shut down. But um, Hollywood studios, as well as labor unions, have gotten together to form a task force that are discussing the guidelines for getting back to work. Um, the um, This task force delivered a 22-page a quote-unquote white paper that lists dozens of recommendations for physical distancing, personal protective equipment, temperature checks, and other precautions that uh, are typical of businesses that are reopening amid the pandemic. Um, and this is um, these are more these are just recommendations for now, but they are um, basically uh, being, they've been delivered to um, the off offices of the governors in uh, New York and California, as well as the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health, to basically get things get the ball rolling on uh, Hollywood productions reopening again and getting back to work and resuming production. What kind of guidelines are we looking at? So um, we're looking at, you know, very typical uh, social distancing um, guidelines, limiting face-to-face -face contact with others. Cast and crew must practice social distancing as much as possible, uh, distance of at least six feet away from other people at all times, um, The and as well as um, uh, recommendations for masks for performers uh, when they're not uh, performing, and hair and makeup artists as well as other um crew who work closely with the performers, as well as daily temperature checks, too. So those are the general ones. There's another one that is um, a bit more unique to uh, Hollywood Productions. It's, it's the added recommendation of an autonomous COVID-19 compliance officer on set to specialize in enforcing these coronavirus safety measures. Wow. I can imagine like we're going to see like stars on set, like in, sitting in their chairs, and there's going to be like one of those like roped off fences around them like it's yeah. six feet in every direction so no one can come close to them but i mean if we're all in the same sound stage does that really protect them i don't know yeah i mean i i'm guessing it'll be very limited capacity for a crew as well like i don't i don't know if we'll have we'll be seeing just like as many people on sets as there were before um and people might be forced to pull double duty with other um other jobs. So it's, it's unclear for now, but like, those are the recommendations in place. So it, it's, but it points to just productions looking completely different um, uh, after the, after COVID. Yeah. Let's talk about a little good news. Universal last week announced that they are reviving the Wolfman with Ryan Gosling. Chris, what do we know? Yeah. So Universal is, is slowly starting from scratch again and trying to reboot their, their classic monsters. Uh, of course, as everyone knows at this point, they, they tried it first with, um, well, not first, but they tried it recently with the Tom Cruise mummy and the dark universe. And that didn't do so well. So they, they scrapped all those plans and then they, they started up again with uh, the invisible man, which did 
do well. Uh, that got really good reviews. It, it did really well at the box office before, you know, everything got shut down. Uh, and they've been slowly announcing more and more uh, films. There's a there's a Dracula film called, coming from Karen Kusama. And there's also now going to be a, a Wolfman movie starring Ryan Gosling. Um, there's no director attached yet, but uh, Corey Finley, who directed Bad, Ed- Bad Education and Thoroughbreds, is, is at the top of the list. So he might end up directing. Interesting enough, um, this Wolfman reboot was actually, it, it comes from an idea that Gosling thought up himself. Like he pitched the idea for this film and it, the story said he was actually considering directing it as well, but he's not going to direct it now. He's just going to star in it. And that, that bums me out a little bit because I, I think I'm like one of the few people on, on the planet who liked his directorial debut, uh, Lost River, which a lot of people hated and which barely got released. But I thought it was pretty cool. So I, I kind of would have liked Gosling to direct The Wolfman, but uh, I guess we'll, we'll, I'll settle for him just starring in it instead. I just like to imagine Ryan Gosling driving around the streets of downtown Los Angeles, playing the drive soundtrack and being like, oh, I have an idea for the Wolfman. (laughs) Uh, What do you think of uh, filmmaker Corey Finley? I haven't seen either of those. Actually, no, I did see Thoroughbreds, which uh, was interesting. Uh, I haven't seen Thoroughbreds. I did watch Bad Education, which I liked, although when I was watching it, I didn't once think this is the guy who should direct the Wolfman. So I don't, I don't really, I don't really know uh, how that'll work out, but I, I'm definitely open to the idea. I do think Universal learned their lesson from the mummy and now they're, they're trying harder to make standalone films rather than, uh, you know, a big connected universe. So I'm, I, after the invisible man, I'm, I'm hopeful that they're, they're, they're back on track. I was kind of hopeful after the invisible man that they would just give Blumhouse like the rights to do all these universal monsters, but maybe the Wolfman is not one you can do on a low budget because you need all that visual effects and uh, yeah. special effect makeup. It might be that, I mean, Blumhouse still might get involved because they, you know, they have a deal with universal uh, Blumhouse is working on, on the Dracula movie, I believe. So they might come in uh, at a later date, but for now they're, they weren't mentioned in the initial story. Okay, let's move over to the DC universe. Now that the Snyder Cut is a reality, or going to be a reality, uh, there's conversations that David Ayer's original Suicide Squad could potentially get released. H.C., what do we know? Yes, after the Snyder Cut opened the gates for many more uh, director's cuts to potentially be released, if fans are loud enough, David Ayer is the first to try to build up hype for hype for his uh, original cut of Suicide Squad. Um, it was a movie that famously went through many reshoots, uh, very expensive reshoots at that. And David Ayer in the recent in we- recent weeks, recent days, I don't know how long time has been going anymore, has been um, building up hype for his uh, original vision of Suicide Squad on his Twitter. He spoke about um, the, the original script for Suicide Squad, which orig- originally had a deeper connection to Zack Snyder's Justice League and would have uh, it would have included the New Gods elements, which um, were part of the whole Justice League invasion um, in 
uh, Snyder's original version. And he also talked about how his script was, quote unquote, perfectly coherent and had a Joker that was, quote unquote, rich and dimensional. So um, he has he's very just he just really wants people to get excited for uh, Suicide Squad. But he did kind of pull it back, saying that he doesn't mind if his cut is seen in five years he simply wants the best version of his work represented so he yeah he's just kind of launching a one-man campaign to get the air cut trending <laughs> essentially but you know if fans are really excited about um, a rich and dimensional joker played by jared leto and um more new gods uh yeah. get the air cut trending well air seems to be i don't know like these, these seem very calculated to appeal to a certain audience of loud fans mm-hmm. <laughs> who were successful once uh i mean hd do you want to see the air cut of suicide squad i do not want to watch that movie in any form ever again <laughs> i'm a little curious of like how different it is but uh chris what do you think are you are you would you be interested in seeing what his how different his cut was i mean i'll put it this way i have no interest in making it happen i have no interest in supporting it but if for some reason this happens and it exists and i can watch it for free maybe i'll check it out out of curiosity but i i have serious doubts that any cut of that movie is going to be good because man oh man that you know uh, that that end result is just a disaster and i can't picture i really can't picture much changing how how the final cut ended up it's it's just such a stupid movie i just i can't i can't imagine what would make that better but you know if it existed if it came out i guess i would watch it out of morbid curiosity brad you do superhero bits for us your hand is more on the pulse of the comic book movie world than any of us here uh, i'm wondering what you think of this like is do you know anything more about the david Ayer cut and how it's different. Is that something you're excited about? There's been some recent snippets that he's mentioned. Like uh, just recently, uh, he tweeted about how apparently Deadshot and Harley Quinn had a little bit of a hookup uh, in his version of Suicide Squad. So uh, it sounds like it's different enough that it would be interesting to see. I'm not necessarily excited about it, but I would be curious just because I think that this movie could probably benefit more from getting a new version than you know, something like Justice League, um, simply simply because, you know, Suicide Squad wasn't necessarily intended to lead into something bigger, even though it, the end did have like some kind of setup for, for Justice League, what would have been Zack Snyder's Justice League anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think purely out of curiosity, I would be willing to see it, but I'm not clamoring for it necessarily. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see if it, if it ever happens. I, I'm, I'm guessing there's enough people that want to see it and it probably wouldn't require as much money to bring it into reality since it was screened for test screening audiences and stuff like that. But uh, I don't know. Uh, but that, that's also not the only thing in DC news we've gotten this week. We know that Henry Cavill is in talks to return as Superman, but not for a Man of Steel sequel. Chris, what is going on here? Yeah, uh, there was a period where it seemed like Henry Cavill was was pretty much done with playing Superman. But that's uh, apparently not the case. Um, uh, there's nothing finalized yet, and details are very sketchy. But the, the word on the street is that uh, Warner Brothers is, is trying to work something out with him 
uh, to it, it kind of sounds like they want him to be their version of the MCU's Hulk in that he doesn't really have his own film franchise. He just appears as a supporting character in other films. Um, they're not saying really what those films could be, but it might be, you know, Shazam two or Aquaman two <laughs> or, or black Adam. It's not going to be James Gunn's suicide squad. It's been confirmed. It's not that. And it's not going to be, uh, Wonder Woman 1984, because that's done shooting. And as much as people want this to happen, it's very doubtful it's going to be for uh, Snyder cut reshoots. But it just boils down to they want to bring Henry Cavill back as Superman in a in a supporting sense, not in his own main film franchise. Well, maybe they could release the uh, the Henry cut of Shazam and add his face into his cameo. They should, yeah. Actually, uh, think- David Sandberg actually did add uh, Henry Cavill's face to uh, Shazam, but he did it on an elongated rubber neck. So go check out David Sandberg's Twitter if you want to see that terrifying vision. <laughs> okay, let's talk about um, Martin Scorsese's next movie, which we didn't know where it was going to go, but it looks like Paramount and Apple are teaming up for this. Brad, what do we know? So we all know how The Irishman had been in the works for a while, and it took a long time to get it off the ground because Scorsese needed to hit the big budget to do all the de-aging for De Niro and Pacino and whatnot. And that movie actually used to be a Paramount production and then went over to Netflix. And the same thing is happening with his new movie, Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, It's been at the works at Paramount for a little while, but the budget started to rise, and so they were worried about taking a risk on making it. So they started shopping around for a streaming service to help them out again. Except this time, instead of Netflix, it's going to be Apple that's helping them. Uh, this is a movie that is projected to cost somewhere between 180 and $200 million. It's going to star Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro, which is awesome because this is the first time they've actually worked together on a project since Leonardo DiCaprio was very young and just starting out to become a, a big name in Hollywood. So having them team up together in this stage of their career is very exciting. Uh, it's a crime thriller set in the 1920s uh, that just sounds exactly right for you know Scorsese to take on. And uh, Paramount will be handling the theatrical distribution, but it will be uh, an Apple movie. So that means it'll be made available on Apple TV Plus in addition to being released in theaters. Yeah, I'm just happy that Scorsese is getting the money to make like $200 million movies for sure it's crazy into the in today's world where we don't even know movie theaters are going to exist but um okay let's move on to our, our final story and that is upgrade tv series coming from director lee winnell uh chris what do we know yeah upgrade is a, is a really fun 2018 sci-fi action sort of horror movie from lee winnell <laughs> who directed uh the invisible man which we talked about already uh, it's a lot of fun, and it's now being turned into a TV show. Uh, thankfully, Which, by the way, if if ever if anybody out there liked the Invisible Man, go check the uh, upgrade out. I don't know where it is on streaming. Is it on Netflix? It's on. It was recently. It was recently on HBO, but I'm not sure if it's there anymore. You, you'll have to check. Yeah, but everybody should go watch this film. It's like an underrated, underseen film. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, uh, and thankfully, this isn't going to be like just a reboot of the movie in TV form. Instead, uh, the, the TV show is going to take place a few years after um, the movie. Uh, I don't want to give too much away for people who haven't seen it, but the in the movie, um, there's, there's a character who becomes paralyzed after he and his wife are attacked by uh, 
some goons. Uh, the wife is killed and uh, the guy is, is pretty much ready to, to give up and, and kill himself when he gets a second lease on life with a, an AI implant that enables him to to walk and, and seek revenge against the people who attacked him. But then it turns out, of course, that uh, his, his AI has a, a mind of its own and things go terribly wrong from there. Uh, and that's all I'll say because the less you know, the better the movie is. But uh, interesting enough, Lee Wano is announced is attached to direct the TV show as well. It's not clear if he's directing the whole thing or if he's just doing the pilot. I'm guessing he's just going to do the pilot, but either way, I- I'm glad that he is involved. Yeah, this is really good news. I'm excited for this. Um, but uh, I guess this brings us to the end of today's Slash on Daily. I, I just want to say, guys, it was fun talking movies again. <laughs> because I feel like the last week has been uh, filled with, I don't know, it's just, it's just been very stressful. And uh, it's good to be talking movies again. Anyways, uh, you can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find these stories linked in the show notes. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at SlashFilm.com. And rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you on Friday.